This is Killstreak. high-rise tenants it's killstreak episode 160 i'm eric goslin joining me here as always the wickedly talented <laughs> mike price how are you mike uh mikhail prezim um <laughs> that's what i want to be referred to by uh, from now on by from referred to by from now on um, we got it's a good start. This is this is an auspicious opening. I think. <laughs> um, I'm okay. It's Monday, but that doesn't mean a whole lot to me because I'm on break. Oh so. yeah, finished up the semester. Yeah, you wrote your paper on RoboCop. I did. I wrote a 11 page paper on RoboCop. Wow. Look at Which you. Doesn't sound that doesn't sound that impressive, but it was very academic and in, in, intensively researched. You'll be yeah. graduating. Soon enough. Yeah, in August. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. Our boy's grown up. Then you got to get a job. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's terrifying. It is. It's a scary world out there. Um, <laughs> speaking of scary, we're talking about the new Evil Dead film today, Evil Dead Rise. Um, you can go ahead and listen to our other episodes on the Evil Dead that we recorded I guess last year, probably maybe the year before. It's been a little bit. Um, it was. I was in Austin, so okay. So yeah, this is a couple of years ago. Two years, yeah. Wow. So it's an early episode, different format, sort of. When we went beat sort by of. beat. I think it was late in the Austin recording, so I would say. But yeah, it's like probably a year, a little less than a year into the podcast. So yeah, you're right. It was a different animal then. Um. Unless I'm totally wrong about this. Yeah, who can say? There's no way to check. And I yeah. refuse to. But, yeah, Mike and I went to the movie theater and saw Evil Dead Rise last week. Mm-hmm. And we left the movie theater without saying anything, like much like we do when we go see... Except for Halloween Kills. <laughs> we No. Yeah. yeah, Halloween Kills. Yeah. We left that one and we're like, okay, we have to talk about this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, that one required discussion because I think um, there was a lot of surprise and and, and a lot of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say this is a lesser film. It's just one that I was able to sit on my opinions about uh, up until today. So the original Evil Dead was in uh, November of 2020. It's episodes 36 through uh 40 wow okay so it was austin time yeah so that was actually was that the that was really early right that's like six months six months even less than that into the podcast well we apologize for the quality of those episodes (laughs) uh we were finding our voice maybe they're great i don't know they might be yeah what if this is a boring this is the worst thing we do now And they're like, this podcast used to be interesting. It was weird. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. So uh, I'm I'm assuming you did a ton of research 
on evil. I don't know why I said that sarcastically. You always do a ton of research. You actually, what the fuck? You actually do. Um, I did a I did a normal amount of research. I would say I I, I did the average that I do for films. This movie seems to be doing pretty well. It is. We can start there. If yeah, we want. start there, it's and it's getting well received. I think. Yeah, and uh, yes, it's doing. It's well. getting good notices. Is that what they say on Broadway? Oh, I, um, yes, I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, people know what my opinion of Rotten Tomatoes is, I think, by now. But it is uh, very positive. It's certified fresh at 84%. Mm. Um, Metacritic, which I think is a, a, a superior rating, meta rating system, although it's certainly not without its own flaws, um, has the movie at... I want to say it was like 65 or something, which was surprisingly low to me. Uh, let me check and see where it's at. 69. Nice. Hey, love yeah. that. Which, but by their metrics, that's generally favorable mm-hmm. because it's like, it's not like an F is a 60. Right. It's it's like an F is a, you know, 20 to zero. It'd be like basically. a 6.9 on a 10 point scale. Exactly. That is, wow. I, I want, that's so succinct and I've never put it that way before. <laughs> really showed me up. Um, okay. So it came out, we'll be hitting the two week mark this coming Friday. Is that right? I think so. We saw it because we saw it in its first week. Yeah. God. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. Cause it, it, it debuted, what was it, the 23rd, 21st. Okay. April 21st. So, um, this is, I didn't know we were going to be doing this part. I'm happy we're doing it, but I wasn't quite prepared to deliver these pieces of information. So I'm just stalling exactly this long to tell you that now it has been out for, yes, uh, 11 days. 11 days. So this coming Friday, Cinco de Mayo, it'll hit two weeks at the box office. Cinco de Drinco. Oh, dear me. Yeah. Let's get ripped. Um, Frankly, Eric, I find your rhetoric a little embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Friday the 21st, it opened to $10 million uh, daily, which is pretty good, uh, especially considering that this is, uh, you know, a relatively moderate budget. It's not low budget by any stretch, but it is on the low end of what studios will bankroll these days mm-hmm. the budget was estimated at 17 million dollars okay um which is again for a studio that's 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 the low end of the spectrum but it, honestly it's a more and more rare kind of you know price point that you see movies coming in at these mm-hmm. days uh a lot of horror movies like this kind will come in at like five or four even mm-hmm. um and then you really have to scrap for it but um, not the case here. So uh, it has made, as of today, uh, bah, 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 drum roll. It's like forty-six million. Okay. Um, yeah. So it is. Uh, no, wait. That's wrong. There's one more. Now April thirtieth. That was yesterday. Okay. Yeah, forty-six mil, which uh, against its budget is already a tripled return, basically. So that's yeah. solid. It's solid. it's performing well, and I think the more important thing is in your deadlines and in your industry Twitter, 
it's being referred to as a success. People are saying it's a hit. Uh, and honestly, that maybe is the thing that matters the most is the rhetoric around it, mm -hmm. which is it, it is successful. Um, first, um, before we go into anything else, um, Lee Cronin, I guess. Let's start with him. Sure. The director and the writer of the film. Uh, he's Irish. He's an Irishman. Did oh, you know? Oh, no. Toy, okay. toy, so, yeah. Toy. A fun... <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's correct. Um, From Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I am from Ireland. Um, okay. <laughs> this is his second feature. Uh, he debuted in 2019 with a movie called The Hole in the Ground. Um, it premiered at Sundance, so it certainly had a little bit of um, oomph behind it. This was a classic uh, uh, countries with a much more robust social support system actually have... Uh, money to finance the arts mm -hmm. um so this was like broadcasting authority of ireland irish film board um you know he was an up-and-coming irish director so you know a, a, a very a lower budget three and a half million but that movie uh got good reviews and certainly people were were talking about lee cronin as a you know a, an up-and-coming director to watch i think um is that a horror movie it is a horror movie. Okay. The hole in the ground. I actually kind of want to see it because I'll tell you that like the um, the elevator pitch is, is solid. It's uh, It follows a young woman who begins to suspect that her son's disturbing behavior is linked to a mysterious sinkhole. Oh, cool. That is uncool. Yeah. Yeah. I like a sinkhole. Sinkholes are fucking weird. Sounds up my alley. Yeah. yeah. Um, so coming out of that, he... Uh, he gets introduced to Sam Raimi by working on an anthology show called 50 States of Fright, which uh, debuted on the gone but not forgotten short format oh. streaming service Quibi. Quibi. Yeah. So it was a Quibi series. He got two episodes, though, because I, I guess his story could not be told in one quick bite. Wow. What was um, your favorite favorite Quibi series, Mike? I never watched a single thing. Uh, I watched. I actually did watch the uh, the Will Forte and um, Caitlin Olson. Um, they like flip a house that has a bunch of like cartel money in it, and then they get rich. Uh -huh. It's pretty funny. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's fun. I dig it. Yeah, should we bring it back? Did, did was Quibi gone too soon? Quibi was gone too soon. Can only watch it on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was maybe a misstep. That was crazy. Um, especially because it's just like, it's like programming for people who don't watch things on their phones, mm -hmm. only available on your phone. Mm -hmm. And the people who do watch everything on their phones have zero don't interest in anything shit. you're making. No, yeah, exactly. Um, that's, that's the rise and fall of Quibi in a nutshell. But yeah, so he, um, this show was I want to say Raimi was one of many executive producers and he did uh he directed like the openings episode slash three episode arc mm. uh about Michigan. Mm. Uh Lee Cronin's was about Washington. I'm gonna assume Washington State. Mm -hmm. Um yeah something else interesting about this clearly it was meant to go 
to all 50 states, and it looks like they maybe hit, like, 10. <laughs> Was Maine in there? Uh, did Maine make the cut? No, oh. I'm sorry. Oh. Did they even get to the East Coast? No. Wow. Nothing Nothing in, in, in on the Eastern Seaboard, even. Wow. Except Florida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all know it doesn't count. A Florida yeah. horror movie. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, there's something there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so it was through this that he was introduced to Sam Raimi. Um, simultaneously, um, you know, the development of a new Evil Dead movie was something that was sort of in the Tumblr for like uh, eight years, something like that. Yeah, because I remember hearing rumblings that like the hero from the last movie would be like somehow teaming up with ash or something do you remember that yeah yeah um no that's accurate so there was at one point at least a sketched out game plan that was fede alvarez would make an evil dead 2 to his 2013 evil dead Mm -hmm. that raimi would make a what they were calling army of darkness 2 and then after those two films they would do a uh mcu dceu-esque joining of those two properties and putting um what was her name mia i think was the Mm -hmm. protagonist yeah sounds right uh together with ash damn i want an evil dead too yeah i think we talked about this army of darkness sorry yeah army of darkness well here's so this is interesting i can tell you in a second you got it whether you know it or not um Oh. So uh, you could probably figure it out from that. Yeah. But um, I think I talked about this very briefly on the last, the Evil Dead Rankings episode two years ago or whatever. But um, basically what happened was Don't Breathe blew up and Fede Alvarez essentially was forced to choose between making Don't Breathe 2 or Evil Dead 2. Mm. And he sort of said, I love Evil Dead and I would do it in a heartbeat, but if you have to make me choose between the two, don't breathe is something that like we created. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna keep going with that. That and makes sense. I think that makes yeah, it makes lots of sense. I never saw so, Don't Breathe Two. Neither did I. We should check it out. We should do it. Yeah. We should do one and two at some point. Hey, that's a little hey, like a quibby series. Yeah, like just a quick series. Quick bites of <laughs> franchises. Um, so as like I said, you actually did get Army of Darkness too. Yeah, Ash um, versus the Evil Dead. Yeah, was developed out of that abandoned script. Got it. Um, okay. And yes, so that's that's essentially the direction that that went, and Evil Dead Two dissolved into Don't Breathe Two. So they were kind of in like a restart mode in I want to say 2019. Um, the first announcement of this movie was at New York Comic Con in 2019, mm-hmm. um, and this was before Cronin was attached. So this was basically just Raimi and Rob Tapert making their uh, intentions known that they were starting to work on development for a new Evil Dead mm-hmm. movie. Um, uh, as things moved along, uh, Raimi and Bruce Campbell were executive producers only. Uh, I know Raimi spoke a lot with uh, Lee Cronin. I'm sure he took a look at the script and you know stuff like that. Probably but, watched cuts. Yeah, yeah, but Rob Taper was the producer proper, which, you know, is his job. That's what he does for a living. Um, and uh, so 2020, they announced Cronin 
And that's basically just entirely off of his interactions with Sam Raimi from 50 States of Fright. Um, and then, yeah, New Line. Uh, so it was one of those things that they, you know, they started production and then they kind of pre-sold. Uh, I think it's called a negative pickup or something like that. Uh, it's a weird sort of old term um, that they use, like, as in a film negative, not as not like a negative amount of money. Um, I wrote it down here. What is it called? Negative. Yeah. Negative pickup cost. Uh, hmm. so, so they, they sold it essentially to new line after it was shot, but before it was finished. Got it. Um, so it ends up through new line getting a, ta- uh, set up at HBO max. Um, and because it's, you know, it's going to be distributed by Warner brothers. And so this movie was originally set to come out, um, towards the uh beginning of the fourth quarter of last year okay um so it was wrapped it was it was i think even pre or post-production i should say was was basically done like they were on target to make a fall release date um but this was at the tail end of hbo max slash warner i should say warner brothers kind of uh when they had one foot in and one foot out of streaming and, and theatrical, like yeah. remember Dune, Dune was a big one uh, that came out a couple months earlier. So this was essentially right when they were trying to decide, like, are we still doing this same day thing with HBO Max or are we going back to a theatrical model? Um, and so they gave Cronin the opportunity to do test screenings and the movie was very well received. And as a result, uh, New Line and Warner Brothers agreed to shift it to a theatrical release. And that's how it ended up pushing all the way back to April of this year. Okay. Do you know where it was shot? Uh, New Zealand? That's correct. Okay. Uh, The majority of our uh, principal cast, not Kiwis. Yeah. They're big... They're they're bully big brothers. They're Australians. Um, the in the uh, the little girl who we commented during the movie <laughs> had the weirdest accent is uh-huh. British. I looked up. She's after, British. Yeah. yeah, and I I'm pretty sure now in retrospect, I think she just like forgot to do her American accent on a couple. Yeah, of and I think she has just a way of talking also, like mm-hmm. a, a little bit of the like like the yeah she does you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, baby talk. Yeah, baby talk. Essentially, <laughs> well, she's like yeah. twelve. Uh, I looked it up. I mean, she's very young. She's yeah. she she was uh, at the time of filming nine, 11, eight or nine, ten, ten, ten I think ten. <coughs> um, so, um, but yeah, uh, our kind of main cast members. So you've got Alyssa Sutherland is Ellie, the uh, the mother of the clan. Uh, her sister Beth is played by Lily Suther- Sullivan. So it's Sutherland and Sullivan. They did that <laughs> to really fuck with me. Um, Morgan Davies plays the son Danny. Uh, Gabrielle Eccles is Bridget. And then we just said Nell Fisher is Cassie. That's like our main cast of those five. Yeah. So Lily Sullivan is Australian. Um, she's you know, just kind of an up and coming actress. She hasn't done. The only thing she'd done that I had ever heard of was uh, if you if you remember it, uh, Amazon Prime did a like remake series of Picnic at Hanging Rock. Yeah. Yeah. And she's one of the the mains in that. 
Uh, and I don't even think it was Amazon made it so much as they just picked it up for American distribution. So I saw it there. Um, Alyssa Sutherland, on the other hand, has a little bit longer tail of a career. She was a supermodel, um, which in retrospect kind of makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah, so she started her career uh, as a teen model, did a ton of runway and print, um, big brands, all that stuff. She was on the cover of Vogue. Um, she was a big deal. Um, she started acting in uh, The Devil Wears Prada. Which I have not seen, but I'm going to assume she plays somebody who wears uh, fashionable. Clothing. Yeah, I'm going to assume she's a model. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, other notable roles she was in that movie, Arbitrage with Richard Gere. Yeah. Um, Is, uh, that, I never saw it, but doesn't that have a big director? Oh, let me look it up. Look it up. Well, who cares? Who gives a shit? Eric? Okay. Move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> While you're looking that up, so D- where she really. Dumb she, asshole. <laughs> she really took off with TV. Um, so she had a regular role on Vikings, which I've never seen, but I know some people like it. Um, she was in the mist. Uh, she was in way back in 2008, her first TV role, which, uh, was towards the beginning of her acting career. Do you remember the first show called new Amsterdam? Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, the guy from game of Thrones. Is it the guy uh, who's like, won't uh, like, is a Immortal he's immortal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's called New Amsterdam because he lives in New York, but he's lived there since it was called New, New Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Um, so yeah. I do have breaking news of the director, the big time director of uh-huh. Ar- uh, Arbitrage. Uh, everybody knows household name, Nicholas Jarecki. <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously I know Eric, but for our audience, yeah. can you tell them what, you know where where we would know uh, him director from. of the outsider from 2005 arbitrage in uh the recent uh crisis yeah we all <laughs> so, starring evangeline lily in our so. in army hammer <laughs> wait how recent like did he have to like like 2021 post- okay so post scandal yeah, army post hammer. scandal yeah nice <laughs> big pull <laughs> um okay so yeah, Nicholas Jarecki, uh household name. Um, and then yeah, the only of the of the the kids, the only one uh, who has like an acting career is Morgan Davies, um, and he has done a bunch of Australian TV, um, but that's pretty much it. Um, so yeah, there's not much else to talk about as far as the people who worked on it. Um, some things worth mentioning, there was a big emphasis put on uh, trying to do as many practical special effects as they could. Mm. Um, there was uh, an emphasis on trying some uh, interesting and uh, risky uh, cinematography, some, some, some wild shots and some interesting... Uh, anybody who's a fan of Brian De Palma would have probably recognized the uh, deployment of the split diopter mm-hmm. shot uh, multiple times in the movie. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was shot in Australia. Uh, not Sorry, shot in New Zealand with Australian actors and an Irish director. Uh, originally destined for streaming, made its way to the theaters, and... Uh, 
U.S. domestic box office already at 46 mil. It's probably coming up on 100 worldwide, if I had to guess. Um, isn't it weird how those numbers are usually so similar? Yeah. That's like the U.S. box office and the international box office. You can just sort of assume they're about the about same. About the same, yeah. It's weird. It's because America is as good as all of the other countries <laughs> in the world put together. Wow. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I was going to say. Uh, did I forget anything that I usually talk about? I don't think so. Okay. Do you have any questions? No, I'm looking at um, the kill count. The death. Oh, no, man, this is tough. <laughs> You're getting ready for a future segment. <laughs> yeah, getting ready for a future segment. <laughs> <laughs> Just letting the audience know. That's yep. good. Um. Yeah, so I guess we probably won't talk about it during the recap, so I might as well throw it out here. There was a Bruce Campbell cameo. There was? Voice only. Oh. Voice only. Uh, and when I found out what it was, I actually sort of said, hey, that's pretty good. Can I guess? Um, yeah. Is it the priest on the record? No, hmm. but you're in the right ballpark. The uh, demon voice that goes backwards or whatever? No. There is a guy, when the priest is addressing a large group of people, someone interrupts and shouts, it's called the Book of the Dead for a reason. Oh. Uh, and at least according to one interview that he gave uh, on the press circuit, uh, Lee Cronin says that uh, it was, he deliberately had him do this role because he considers it to be Ash himself, perhaps further time displaced after the events of Army of Darkness. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, which is good. Also, uh, just sort of as a little joke, when he was there recording his, his brief voice part, he also had him do a tiny amount of Foley work. So when Ellie is off screen in the hallway through the people, she's eating a guy's eye out. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the sound part of the sound they use is Bruce Campbell eating an apple next to a microphone. So. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about plot and thoughts. Bah, bah, bah. Hey, Killstreakers. Eric here. Uh, I teased it last week. This week I'm going to reveal what our giveaway is. We're teaming up with Peter Harmon of the Vampiti Diaries and High Dive Publishing to do a little Evil Dead Rise prize pack podcast giveaway. So what you need to do to win a very large Evil Dead Rise vinyl poster, a copy of Stephen King's book, Dr. Sleep, the horror anthology collections, Horror from the High Dive, Volumes 1 and 2, and a promo pack from High Dive Publishing, you need to follow at High Dive Publishing and at Pod on Instagram, like the official giveaway post. And uh, bonus entries if you tag a horror lover and or share the official giveaway post to your stories in tag High Dive Publishing and Killstreak Pod. Um, so go do all that and a winner will be chosen and you'll get all those cool prizes. So once again, just follow uh, at High Dive Publishing and at Killstreak Pod and like that 
giveaway post. Okay, back to the podcast. Friends Teresa and Jessica and Jessica's new boyfriend Caleb are vacationing at a lakeside cabin when a seemingly ill Jessica scalps Teresa and decapitates Caleb before levitating above the lake. One day earlier, upsetting, upset at learning she is pregnant, guitar technician Beth visits her sister Ellie, a single mother to teenagers Danny and Bridget and preteen Cassie, in their condemned Los Angeles apartment complex. The building is shaken by an earthquake while the children are uh, in its basement parking lot, uncovering a concealed chamber. Danny investigates, discovering religious artifacts, three phonograph records from 1923, and a strange book that he takes up to his room. The initial uh, record details rejected efforts by a priest to research the book, revealed to be one of three volumes of Naturum Demento. Demento? How do you say that? Yeah, I know you probably... (laughs) I would also be guessing. Naturum Demento. Yeah. The it's subsequent, o, right? what's that? D E M O, right? D E M O N, demon, yeah. demon, like demon toe. Yeah. Anyway, demon. Anyway. It's it's pronounced demon toe. Demon toe. Okay. No, what's the fuck? God damn it. Demonto. <laughs> <laughs> the subsequent record reveals the priest continued his research in secret and recites an incantation that summons demonic entities known as deadites. The building's power fails and an isolated Ellie is attacked and possessed by an unseen force. She returns to the apartment in a trance, menacingly threatens her family, and dies after pleading with Beth to protect her children. Beth and Ellie's neighbors help lay her to rest in her bedroom and search for a way out. They find that the staircase has collapsed, the elevator is damaged, and they are unable to access the fire escape before Ellie revives and attacks the family, wounding Bridget. Beth and the children lock Ellie outside the apartment after she pursues and massacres the neighbors. Danny confesses to Beth about recovering the Book of the Dead, and Ellie tricks Cassie into unlocking the door before attacking her. While Danny and Beth are distracted rescuing Cassie and locking Ellie out, Bridget becomes possessed via her wound. Bridget attacks Beth before turning on Danny and Cassie, who inadvertently impales her through the head with a broken broom handle. Stephanie. Stephanie, Um, yeah. Beth learns, uh, no, Beth listens to the third record to understand how to exercise the deadites, but learns the priests failed and his allies were all possessed, with only complete destruction of the host stopping the deadites. Bridget revives and fatally stabs Danny, who sets Bridget on fire before dying as Ellie infiltrates the apartment using the vents. Realizing Beth is pregnant, Ellie attempts to rip the fetus out of her, but Beth and Cassie are able to incapacitate her with scissors. Ellie fails to emotionally manipulate Cassie, who accepts that her mother is already gone. Danny and the bodies of the neighbors are possessed, leading Beth and Cassie to take shelter in the damaged elevator. Ellie, Bridget, and Danny merge into a multi-limbed creature known as the Marauder and climb atop the elevator to attack the pair as the machine fills with blood. The combined weight causes the elevator to plummet to the ground floor, allowing Beth and Cassie to flee into the parking lot. The Marauder captures Cassie and attempts to behead her with a chainsaw. 
but Beth returns and distracts it, and she and Cassie destroy the marauder's body by forcing it into a wood chipper. Ellie decapitates uh, Ellie's decapitated head taunts Beth, saying she will be a failure as a mother, prompting her to kick Ellie's head into the chipper. Beth and Cassie escape the building together. The next morning, Jessica goes to the parking lot to leave for her vacation, where she is attacked by an unseen force. Can I do something unconventional? Oh, please. I don't want it to really color our discussion of the film one way or the other, because mm-hmm. it's the worst kind of fandom. But I would like to very briefly discuss a plot thing I have a problem with. I think if it's what I have a problem with, then what do you? What do you? What do you? What do you? Is it the like? wound infecting? No, okay. no. But I'm curious to hear what you think about that. You, you, do you want to tell me first what you don't like? No, is that something that has been established previously in the series, or is that a new thing? Um, I, I've I've seen Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, in Army of Darkness, a yeah. shitload of times, and I've never thought that it's their wounds that are infecting them. Yeah, I think you're right. But there's also, to me, there's nothing in the lore where it couldn't happen that way because it just, sure. it mostly just seems to be when the evil decides to yeah. inhabit someone. Exactly. It just kind of goes willy nilly from one person to another. Yeah. Uh, what was, what was yours? So this, this beginning linking to the ending scene. Oh yeah. So again, I guess the evil could do whatever it wants. But in this situation, if we are to, if we're to understand that Jessica gets attacked by the, you know, the deadite evil in the parking garage, then she goes to pick up her friend, yeah, and drive them all the way out to the woods and then begin a vacation, yeah, before and, she starts acting weird. Yeah, hang out long which is like literally a behavior that has never been exhibited in this in uh, to as, to my knowledge in this franchise ever no it's just it's like, like once sudden, you yeah once you're evil wind, you're evil yeah the wind rushes at you then your eyes get all fucked up yeah and so those two things almost kind of married together a little bit where it's like did we get a little lost writing the screenplay and start using zombie rules yeah know? but uh anyways those things are nitpicky plot hole things and they're really a terrible way to try to approach films critically so Totally, uh, yeah. Just wanted it's... to get it out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what did we think of Evil Dead Rise in uh, a nutshell with our blood and guts check? Um, Mike, you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I could go either way. I could go either way either. Uh, mm. I'll, I'll go first. I don't usually okay. go first. Yeah, um, true. So... I will admit to being a little bit out of it during the first 40 minutes or so. The movie theater that Mike and I went to was hot. It was it was warm <laughs> inside there and yeah. I started getting very sleepy. And to the point where I almost got up to get a diet coke or something, but then That's I saw right. we were yeah. directly in the middle we're and in a, a their, recliner theater. Yeah, yeah. everybody had their feet out. And I was like, well, I'm not going to fucking do that. <laughs> it's your I'll worst nightmare. <laughs> so I had a hard time connecting to the first 40 minutes or so. I was mm. sort of left a little flat. And you pointed out something after that mm-hmm. really made me realize that's probably what it was. Mm. 
um, which is the trailer gives away so much. Yeah. That like, I wasn't really shocked by anything that was happening. Mm -hmm. But then after that point, I thought the second half really kicked into gear and I was into it. Mm. Uh, So yeah, that's sort of like my journey watching, watching the movie and we can get further into the details. But Mike, what about yourself? Um, well, you know, maybe, uh, I didn't have this, a similar issue. Um, so I, maybe I can help give a slightly, uh, um, no opinion is ever objective, but a little bit more of a, a clear headed take on the first, you know, 40, which is almost half the movie, by the way. Yeah. Uh, 97 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We like it. We like it. It was it. nice. Yeah. We went to see it at like... 7:45 or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Out, the, out of there by 9:45 is great. Yeah. Oh, guess what? I got to the car at the top of the parking structure before realizing that the car key had fallen out of my shorts. No. Uh, and so I had to walk back to the theater, talk them into letting me back in, and because it was these fucking recliner seats, it was oh, no. like I ended up having to get on the ground, get my head underneath the recliner and extend my arm fully into just a sea of popcorn and oh, candy no. <laughs> and just gnar. It was so sticky. Ew. I did I did get the key, though. Um, wow, that sucks. Yeah. Okay, anyways. I was that's... probably home by the time you were done. Yeah, I think you might have been, yeah. Um, okay, but uh, that's not the movie itself. So I... Um, in, you know, it, coming out of the theater and, and in the next couple of days, I was sort of uh, in that place where I was on the fence between two takes um, and researching the movie today, mostly like rereading the synopsis and thinking about specific parts and reading some interviews um, did, I think, pretty clearly push me to one side versus the other. And the side that I landed on is I think this movie is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things that don't totally work, but I would say for the most part, and this is, you know, this is not an easy task to be like, okay, you're going to do the fifth Evil Dead movie and it has to be interesting and relevant and also mm-hmm. effective. I think it's a pretty big success. Um, and I can talk about why. Um, but you know, since you kind of only gave like a little bit of your impression, I wanted to, to, yeah. to give you the opportunity to add some more if you want, before I go into explicit detail. No, totally. <clears throat> I will agree with you that I think it's pretty good. Um, and I did, it did require me like thinking about it more as the week yeah. went on. Then I talked to my friend about it and she really, and she really liked it. And I was in like talking about it with her. I was like, Oh yeah, that was cool. That was uh-huh. that was good, um. So I I do think I was just a little bit I was falling asleep. Yeah, <laughs> my, I mean my the eyes thing were... is there is a long you 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 get the impression that they maybe almost did that opener just because otherwise and this is this is yeah, often the case yeah. with movies like this otherwise you really have thirty straight minutes of no nothing kind of nothing I mean nothing ha- we discover the book basically right, towards right. the end of those thirty minutes. But nothing really starts to go wrong until, you know, at least the 40 minute mark, like yeah. to the halfway point of the movie. 
let's talk a minute about the opening and closing. Sure. Because I jokingly, at the end of the movie, turned to you and went, wow, I can't believe they connected it all back. Because <laughs> it's just like the opening and the close feel like the most tacked on things yeah. in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. it, we don't know who those characters are. I didn't care. Yeah. I wasn't particularly interested in them either. I think our main characters are way more interesting. Yeah, and and like the reveal isn't enough of a reveal. It's just like okay, so she lived in that building. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's like, like that's okay. not that's not even that interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of by the time because it it's like one day earlier. Yeah, I was like, okay, it must be somebody who lived in that building because otherwise, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I I gave it the benefit of the doubt. It's like it must be something I can't guess because it couldn't just be that she's from the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, that, I agree, is, like, maybe it's chaff. It doesn't need to be there. However, I will say that the violence and, and, and the tension of that first scene, um, like, once it shifts to that bedroom Mm -hmm. with, uh, I guess it's Teresa and Jessica, Mm -hmm. like, that is a good, I think, tense scene. Like, they do a good job of kind of ratcheting it up. Um, and it is one of those things where there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I give credit for, for kind of hitting, for nailing this specific thing that I'm going to, that I'm talking about, which is like it, instead of just regurgitating the things that make evil dead, evil dead, mm-hmm. it, it kind of uses them. Uh, it, it, it like the way this movie is sort of written and directed, I feel like there's a there's a good amount of thought that seems to have gone into like how is an audience who knows this whole franchise going to respond to X to Y to Z mm-hmm. right so it's like a lot of the tension in that opening scene is it is because you know how this thing this sort of thing goes in the world of Evil Dead yeah. um, and so they managed to go a pretty long time without. I don't, I don't want to say revealing too much. That's not really how it is, but it's just like, it's, you know, at least for me, my foreknowledge of like, okay, she's been possessed clearly by the evil dead and she's going to do some gnarly shit in a second. Like that, that did help, I think, like create more atmosphere and more tension for me. That being said, as far as it connects to the movie as a whole, it's very sort of uh, much an appendage. Yeah. I really appreciated the change in setting. It's not a cabin movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a high rise movie. Obviously, it's called The Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. I I wish though that they would have expanded the characters out a bit more. Yeah. We get mm-hmm. glimpses of her neighbors, mm-hmm. but they it's only like once, yeah. and then they all die at once. Yeah. This is this is the roller coaster that I went on in the theater. Mm-hmm. Starts out. We meet all these characters. We get to the lay of this apartment, and I'm like, "Whoo! This is gonna be a pretty like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, a bottle episode? No, no like yeah, a- kind of like that. It's like a bottle episode of TV. Yeah. But this is gonna be like a pretty um, small. It's not small, but just um, like there's a word that's like yes, claustrophobic. Thank you." This is going to be kind of a pretty claustrophobic thing. And I can really anticipate myself getting sort of bored of being in this apartment. Yeah. Then all these neighbors get introduced. And I'm like, oh, 
okay, great. We're going to have some more characters. We'll get to move around the building a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, oh, well, maybe we'll see some other people's apartments. We'll move yeah. from one place to another. And then <laughs> 20 minutes later, they're literally all killed at once. At once. And Off it's camera. Like, yeah, mostly off camera, and I'm like, oh, shit. So, really, it is just us and this family in this one apartment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, the movie succeeded in spite of that, I think. Totally, I agree. I, I saw an early tweet of somebody who had just seen it saying that mm-hmm. it was, like, reminded them of Demons 2, which I, I know you haven't seen. I have but not it, seen, but I know it, it takes, takes place, place in a high-rise. Yeah. It does what we're saying, where it kind of, like, jumps around from mm-hmm. person to person in different apartments. And so I was expecting that a little yeah. bit and then was disappointed that it wasn't. And you don't even really get like exploring the building. Like I could yeah. have used a sequence where like, you know, she has to break down a wall to get to another mm-hmm. apartment and, you know, yeah. climb out a window to get into another, like something like mm-hmm. that. But I mean, obviously yeah. probably restrained budget wise. But If you haven't seen the movie, there's four sets and mm-hmm. three of them are like directly attached to each other. So there's the apartment where we spend 90% of the time in the movie. It's a big apartment. It moves from room to room, but it's like, it's one spot. There's the hallway. At the end of the hallway, there's the elevator, which actually ends up being a place you spend a significant amount of time, Mm -hmm. uh, which works. And then there's the basement, the parking garage basement. And briefly, you get Danny going into a hole in the garage basement into this vault of religious stuff. So what about that? How did so that that's kind of how we kick off the real story. How did you feel about where the book comes from, how the whole thing sort of happens, and then how uh, ultimately it leads to the arrival of the Evil Dead? I thought that was pretty cool. Like I I do appreciate a, a hidden chamber revealed. Yeah, that's containing some spooky object. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, in that earthquake was scary. The okay, I do have a gripe with the two with the children. Okay, earthquake hits. They just gone out to get uh, pick up pizza. <laughs> yeah, multiple. I think, you, I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I do. The littlest girl, Cassie, drops four full so- large sodas on the ground when the earthquake hits. Okay, she's panicked. She's they're empty calories. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You don't need those. <laughs> but then one other kid holding the th- the stack of three pizzas, drops the pizzas. And then go- after going down in the hole, they don't really retrieve the pizzas. And the pizza, yeah. like, it's a little smush, but it's They open fine. it up to see, and it's like, yeah, it's flipped over on it, but it's like, okay, that's still food. It's just not... You can still eat it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's and- two others. They're probably fine. Yeah. Except for maybe, like, some weird parking lot water. Maybe <laughs> discard the lowest one. I didn't see any parking lot water. Yeah. Um. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. But I think the origin of this book is is solid. I think, like, I, I'm a sucker for, like, um, priests trying to contain yeah. some sort of evil, as long as it's not the whole movie. Like, I don't really care about seeing, like, the nun. Um, but, like, you know, obviously Prince of Darkness is the like Pope's a Exorcist. Of mine. I don't want to see the Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Yeah, the whole movie can't be about religion, but it's cool if there is like a church that's like protecting some ancient thing, some ancient evil. The records, I like. I mean, obviously, it's it's a callback to the to the first two movies, but it's not the same, right? Those were reel to reel recordings. Mm-hmm. These are these are vinyl pressings, 
And I'll tell you, when it got up to Danny's bedroom, I forgot for a second an earlier scene, uh, for literally for like five seconds. But it's like he goes to throw this record on, and I'm like, what fucking 16-year-old kid mm-hmm. in 2023 has records? But then I was like, oh, he's a DJ. He's a DJ, That's, yeah. They, they did establish that when we when we first meet the character. And it's stuff like that that I think is you see throughout this movie where it's, Nobody's reinventing the wheel. It's not like genius at work, but it's it's like it's there's craft. It's uh, yeah. they this isn't just like a mess of a movie. Like it's pretty well thought out, and um, and a lot of it makes sense. And I think a lot of it sort of uh, feeds into the lore of Evil Dead in a way that's pretty satisfying. Um, uh, what did you think of the performances? Uh, overall, I thought they were good. Um, yeah, me too. Especially our two leads, Lily Sullivan and Alyssa Sutherland, uh, I think are both really solid. Mm-hmm. And I knew neither of these actresses before. Had like really never seen either of them in anything. They they look similar enough that you yeah. buy them as sisters too. Yeah, that scene where they're sitting next to each other is that in the bathroom? I think, I think. so. There's like sitting on the edge of the bathtub and having like a moment. And yeah, I looked at them and I was like, oh yeah, they do look like they could be sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, Lily Sullivan, the um, uh, Beth, you know, the essentially like the, the the heroine, the protagonist of the movie. Um, she's got a little bit of like an Amy Simetz thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and Alyssa Sutherland, like we said, former supermodel. And I do, uh, you know, upon her introduction, her first couple of scenes, I was like, the only reason this is working is because she does seem like she's probably 40, but she was conspicuously, like, tall and thin. It's, like, and, otherworldly and beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, her face is, like, crazy. Um, and like, it lends the, itself... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was say, they gave her the character gimmick of being, like, a rockabilly tattoo girl, sort <laughs> of. So, like, oh, I kind of bought it, actually. Yeah, I did, too. Yeah. That would... Ex- like, the, that's uh, a 40-year-old woman that skinny... You know, there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of overlap with like the tattoo world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, and that's the thing is, it's like again, that's a little bit of a stretch maybe as like a character trait. But then you look at everything else, and it's like okay, the oldest daughter is like a protester and like very socially aware. The son is a DJ. The sister is a is a roadie. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, well, there is it, I mean, stretch or no, uh, you know, it's consistent, I think across this family. Cool family. They're not like, you know, your suburban nuclear Mm -hmm. family kind of thing. It's like, yeah, everybody like all has good taste in music. Like the kids DJing the LCD sound system at the beginning. (laughs) Um, the, uh, the little girl I thought was really good too Mm -hmm. uh even with her like crazy way of speaking it was didn't really bother me no it's fine uh she is adorable like yeah very very cute um and this is the first i was thinking this is the first uh evil dead movie with children that i can think of like like there's no children maybe an army of darkness or some kids maybe just running around in the background yeah. yeah And it really changed the dynamic, especially once the older kids die. You're like, yeah. wow, this is kind of crazy, actually. Like, yeah. you know, seeing the high school kids 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, you see high school kids die all the time in horror movies. Um, but they but, make these these kids actually feel like they're sixteen. Exactly. You know? Yeah. They this isn't like, like a bunch of twenty five year olds pretending to be teenagers. Like yeah. they are teenagers. And so it's crazy. Like wow, holy shit, that fourteen year old girl's dead now. <laughs> yeah. It's upsetting. Um, it is upsetting, and it's yeah. It makes it. It's really. It's pretty dark, and um, that is one thing that it's like that I was a little dubious about leaving. Like before I kind of revisited the movie and started thinking about it more, I was sort of asking myself the question, like, is this too, is it too dark? And, and, and to be clear, like evil dead 2013 is at least, you know, tonally an even darker movie than this. is. Yeah. A more Um, brutally violent movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this movie does hold on to some of the cartoonishness of the original trilogy, especially with regards to the violence, but it's definitely like got a harder edge. And mm-hmm. my thing was like, is it caught in a weird middle ground? Should it be even darker? Like, like 2013 or even jokier, like the original Raimi trilogy. But I think ultimately I've come to feel like it works. Okay. I, yeah. I am all right with it. Um, but that being said, yeah, the stuff with the kids, also becoming deadites is like i i wasn't sure the movie would go that way yeah i I was a little surprised but then Um, it's like well there's everybody else is dead so i guess it has to be them mm. like that's where like some of those neighbors could have yeah like kind of out the kills a little bit more sure um and we finally get to see the inside of the elevator from the shining (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's like the yeah the elevator that fills with blood that a lot of uh, i saw some headlines that's like this movie breaks the record of evil dead mm. movies uh in terms of blood which i don't think rooms filling with blood counts uh, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb i'm okay. i'm looking more for gushing blood yeah like from wounds or like so do you heads. feel like the raining the blood rain from 2013 also doesn't really count I mean that has to be more than the elevator, right? It's falling from the sky. Yeah, I but I mean, depending on the, like, it's a lot of blood to fill a fucking elevator up. That's true. Uh, thousands of gallons. Um, but raining, I don't know. That might take the same. Uh, I will say that even though you know a blood-filled elevator, you know, you can't avoid comparisons to The Shining. The way they shot it like many things in this movie this is sort of a theme i think with the way lee cronin handles stuff is that it's like it's very clearly an homage but it's it's got enough of its own thing going on that it's still interesting it still justifies its existence this is not a slow motion shot no which i think that's a big choice to differentiate just in and of itself especially if you're gonna fill uh and i'm sure they shot it at a high frame rate and just interpreted it that way. Um, I'm sure they probably looked at the option of doing this in, in super slow-mo, but uh, it gives it a different feeling. Uh, it is more violent, right? That's It's a dreamy thing that happens in The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this, it's like aggressive, and mm-hmm. that's fitting with the tone of this movie, I think. Um, uh, I was say, speaking of aggressive, I love mm-hmm. The Marauder, although I didn't realize that's what it was called. <laughs> that like the the multi limbed creature yeah. that yeah. part I thought ruled. That's yeah, yeah. That... It's a fun idea. Uh, it's well executed, 
and it, it it is the kind of thing where you're like, okay, how does this peak, right? Because so much shit has happened, and it it's just these three family members versus the other two now for the finale, and and it, I didn't. I'll say it, I'll put it this way: it didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. uh, it, and it, and I found and I thought it was done well, so it was like a fun, you know, surprise to kind of make the climax work. And the wood chipper is a good, I mean, it's a, it's a good, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a weapon really, but it's a, yeah, it's a good way to dispose of. Yeah. I'm in favor of pulling a wood chipper into the plot of the film. Um, And also they set up the wood chipper early in the, in the movie. Like they clearly show you shots of it. So it's not, doesn't like Mm -hmm. come out of nowhere. Yeah. And they even refer to very obliquely, but it's the old guy's, truck and wood chipper right right and there is an early scene when they're all trapped after the earthquake where the one neighbor asks him like mm-hmm. hey don't you have tools to get this door open he's like yeah but they're in my truck and they're the in my truck yeah and it's like yeah this is so again it's like it's just thought i think it's there's thought that went into this and i appreciate that um other things that i liked the initial elevator scene where ellie gets possessed Mm-hmm. Um, again, sort of works as a loose homage to the uh, sexually assaulting tree from the first Evil Dead movie. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think it's pretty good. I think it. I think especially like there are some shots in that sequence and through the movie writ large that I was impressed by. As somebody who's paying a lot more attention to cinematography these days, I think the camera work was good. There was they tried to do some interesting stuff, and I think it doesn't feel totally gimmicky. It, I, I think it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that Lily Sullivan's character as the movie progresses gets more ash like energy yeah you know what I mean like, like the, mm-hmm. especially at the very end sure in, in the uh, where she has the chainsaw yeah everything in the basement really is yeah. just like pure survivor mode and she does have a little more of that pep you know yeah exactly um I'm trying to think um I had a couple other things. Um, which one? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we'll talk about best deaths, but I think we should we should pause to talk about the special effects. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, which I thought also were pretty well done. And, uh, and again, that, that idea that the goal was to do things more practically, I think mission accomplished. It's, obviously there is some CGI. Um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. at times it's easy to spot. But there's lots of stuff that isn't CGI, and I think is it looks really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's funny; it's it's a movie that's not like we're about to do best de- best deaths, but it's not really about the deaths. Yeah, it's about like the carnage inflicted on a human body yeah. or a deadite body. Right, and that's a real through line too, which is something that pops up here and there in the earlier movies. But I feel like they really decided to focus on, which is that kind of this uh, this inhabiting evil sort of wreaking havoc on the body mm-hmm. of this person that the that the survivors cared about yeah. greatly, and having to watch this deadite version of the daughter just you know, eat a glass and swallow mm-hmm. pieces by piece. And some of the really good practical stuff was the glass sticking out of the neck. Yeah. She's swallowing and like punches through. Yeah. 
Um, it's pretty gnarly and it's really well done. But yeah, that kind of thing, like it's it's a good to me it was like a good theme, uh, of just because you really feel a lot of that of them like kind of being like, Oh, do I look like your sister that you love? Well watch watch what I do. You know. Right. Yeah. To this as I defile flesh. her. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so overall, uh yeah, it's more violence than it is deaths. Um but I think that they work well. And I, yeah, overall, I like the effects quite a bit. Um, just to finish that conversation about cinematography, like there's some cool split diopter shots. I, mm-hmm. I'm i going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They seem like they could have been real and not just uh, accomplished using, you know, uh, post stuff. Um, as good as the camera work was, the lighting looks like shit, but it just looks like a rig. <laughs> it just looks like a new horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um it's just, yeah, the more I learn about set lighting, the more I've come to just despise the way that the majority of things are lit these days. Um, it is just a wash of of practical LEDs, and mm-hmm. none of it has any theatricality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people like it, and that's okay. You know, you're all entitled to your own opinions. All right, we ready to go into deaths? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, we get, uh, well, I don't think she actually dies, but I'll read it. Jessica struck herself in the face with the blades of Caleb's drone. Um, Caleb gets drowned and his head gets ripped off. Teresa gets scalped. Ellie dies after uh, a seizure from being possessed. Seizure's um, sort of weirdly specific. It's like, yeah. <laughs> she just got possessed by the evil dead, you know. Jake gets suffocated after accidentally swallowing Gabriel's eyeball, which was spit by dead-eyed Ellie. Uh, Gabriel gets his eye bitten out and his throat ripped open by Ellie. Scott, the other neighbor, gets his throat bitten out and thrown across the hall by Ellie. Mr. Fonda gets his stomach ripped open by Ellie. Off-screen. Bridget uh, gets possessed by a demon from Ellie's attack. And then dead-eyed Bridget gets impaled through the mouth by Cassie with Staphne um, and set on fire by Danny and then gets revived as the Marauder. Danny bleeds to death after being stabbed through the forearm and chest by Bridget. Then the Marauder gets shredded in the wood chipper after being impaled by Beth with a chainsaw. And then Dead-Eyed Ellie stabbed in the top of her head by Beth with a chainsaw and then throws her head into the wood chipper. Um, uh, shout out Staphne. <laughs> which is this weird staff that um, the little girl Cassie makes with like a doll head on a broom handle that breaks and becomes an impaling weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I, I enjoyed Staffney. It's a good, it's a, it's a clever name. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a fun, it's like a really funny early joke in the movie. Yeah. Um, I also want to shout out not a death. But another specific piece of effects, probably, I think this was sort of the viral trailer moment, but the cheese grater. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, so it's um, Deadite, uh, Bridget is battling uh, Beth, Beth in the kitchen, and Beth is trying to crawl away. Bridget grabs a box grater and basically smacks it down on Beth's calf and then mm-hmm. pulls it across and essentially grates her calf. It's um, gross. It is gross. It happens very quickly. 
And while it was, when it happened and then went away, immediately I was like, I believe that we will see a much longer take of that shot in an unrated ah, sure, yeah. edition I of bet. this film. Yeah. I bet you're right. Um, yeah, because it does seem like that's one of those things where it's like, there are a bunch of scenes or shots and, and scenes in this movie that like you can imagine that there had to be some finagling with the MPAA mm-hmm. about getting an R rating. Now Lee Cronin said it wasn't too bad that there were a handful of things that they had to change, but he didn't, he was not sour about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that makes sense. There's a lot of good creepy gore in this movie, but, but I think that I'll be interested. This is one of a handful of movies where I'm like, I will be interested to watch this unrated when it comes out for streaming, man. Um, what was the example of a movie we may have talked about on the show that, mm-hmm. They um, shot purposely too gory to be cut back to like what they wanted it to be or what they would. And then the MPAA didn't change it. So they just had this like, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Was it, oh, man, I don't, it was recent relatively. Yeah. Was it Dawn of the Dead 04 maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Know. Either way. What was your favorite death? Um, um, <laughs> Okay. Well, since if we're if we're gonna make it actual deaths, um I mean I think we can expand it. Yeah. Let's expand it to you know to just yeah, to to gore uh, gore violence. Um yeah, that's still a tough one. Do you have one? Do you wanna go first? Uh while no, I think about this a little um, more? Or if you don't, I can well, power through. I think it's it might be the glass eating yeah, punk coming out of the throat. That's pretty, really disturbing. Um, yeah, yeah. That's probably got to be one of my bigger like ugh moments. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the gnarliest stuff that happens outside of that. That kitchen brawl is definitely got to be up there for like just most intense parts of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I mean I'll go ahead and and say that the uh the whole wood chipper scene is it's 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 as gory as it sounds like it's going to mm-hmm. be. Uh and it has multiple beats and levels and uh and yeah, it's a it's a really satisfying gore-filled conclusion to the film. Uh which kind of answers the question zombie thumbs up or down is this movie gory? Yeah, it's very yeah. gory. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the, you know, as far as mainstream horror goes, it's one of the more gory offerings that yeah. I can think of. Well, yeah, it's worth it's worth late. remembering. Yeah, of late especially. But, like, you know, one of the things that, like, Evil Dead made Evil Dead 2 a cult movie when we were young, along with a movie like Dead Alive, was just, like, the, um, the wacky but, like, extreme violence that they showed. Mm-hmm. Um, right? That just wasn't something... Because those movies were unrated like yeah i think so yeah neither was yeah neither one of those uh are i so speaking i'm speaking to like dead alive and evil dead 2 yeah but i'm pretty positive that neither of those got an r rating from the mpaa um and this movie is of a piece with that kind of uh splat stick uh level of violence Mm -hmm. um and but it manages to do it with an r rating so hats off Ghost thumbs up or down? Is this movie scary, Mike? Yeah, I think I think at least in terms of how we we try to measure this stuff, mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, it's very dark. It makes you think about awful things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there is a lot of tension in it. And so, yeah, overall, I think definitely. Oh, I wanted to mention, I like the design on the Necronomicon this time around. Yeah. The uh, teeth on the outside was cool. I don't yeah, know if they've done uh, that before, but. Not like that. Not no. like that. Um, I think it's had like kind of like more like, uh, you know, mammal teeth like yeah yeah kind of like that don't close like that that wouldn't necessarily cause a serious injury um but uh yeah and obviously like we get the is it an established trope in the series that that you need blood to open the book hmm i don't know because when it remember. happened in this movie, I was like, yeah, that seems right. That seems, yeah, I think yeah. it's probably right, yeah. Because, like, in this case, the kid pokes himself on one of the teeth and bleeds mm-hmm. on the book, and then yeah. it opens. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, it was a, you know, a very dedicated effort uh, by production design. It's a, a Lee Cronin said in an interview, it took three months for them to make it, um, and that every illustration was hand-drawn, um, oh. and... Uh, and I will say the illustrations are pretty good. It's yeah, it's that's another thing that I uh, I'll say this. Uh, should I go into my final thoughts? Is that where we are? Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Let's get into. Um, let me just set up. Okay. We've recently changed the Mary the fuck Mary kill. Would change to wed bed or behead, and now we're currently on slash, which is kill, smash, <laughs> which is fuck. And crash, as in Dave Matthews Band, crash into me is the now Mary equivalent. Uh huh. Yeah, it's a very romantic song. Um, are we just gonna? We're just gonna have to explain that every episode until we stop using this. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm not against it. I'm just. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's ever gonna be a time when we can just say and crash, of course. It requires no explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'll start because I was just about to, anyways. Um, yeah, it's it like the book is a good example of something that is very familiar. You would expect to be part of an Evil Dead movie, uh, and it does, you know, hit all those buttons of like satisfying Evil Dead fans. But then also, it does manage to do some new stuff and or just kind of like expand, like it it. I, I like the way, you know, we see these things in the book coming true, maybe more explicitly than we've seen in a movie before, especially mm-hmm. like with the Marauder stuff. Um, but it does sort of make you feel like you come away from this movie and you're like, yeah, that's that's the ne- Necronomicon. I know, but I feel like I know a little bit more about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know. That's that's fun. Um, overall, I think that's one of those things that just kind of feeds into what I've been repeating this whole time, which is it's it's less that anything here is like an overwhelming act of singular genius, um, which is not you know not an insult to Lee Cronin at all. Um, it's just that you know this is a movie that feels um, well executed. It's just, you know, the things that it's that they set out to do, uh, the movie that they seem like they were trying to make. I think they mostly succeeded on all fronts. Um, and what they tried to do wasn't overly ambitious, which is not a bad thing. Like mm-hmm. that's 
uh, often a recipe for success, um, just kind of switched it up, switched up the setting and, and, you know, found a balance in the tone between the last two movies and, um, decent cast, decent script, good special effects. Uh, it all comes together to make, uh, just a successful movie. Right. So I don't know if it sounds like faint praise. It's not, I'm, I'm impressed. I liked it. And I guess, you know, with that, I, you know, I, I was on the fence with the slash and smash, mm-hmm. uh, not slash and smash, sorry, smash and crash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I was never thinking about slashing this movie. Um, and, and, and it was something I went back and forth on and I'm still like, you know, as we do, we give a light or a heavy or whatever. So this mm-hmm. is a, uh, but it is a light crash for me i think i like um, crash okay yeah very nice. you i know, think you, it's a, it's a really good movie uh you just put it all so well and you know in classic killstreak fashion <laughs> even though we didn't talk about this i think we're pretty much on the same page uh i too have been struggling all week with how to mm-hmm. rate this and i think i might actually go a heavy smash Okay. As opposed to a light crash. Sure. Um, and I, I, with I want to leave the option open mm-hmm. to revise upon another viewing. Sure. Where I'm not falling asleep in a hot beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. Yeah, yeah. No. Absolutely. And and I mean that is you know there are things you can criticize about the movie and maybe it does unfold a little slowly, uh, especially considering. It's a shorter movie, right? I, I would never advocate for it to be a half hour longer. But if it was a half hour longer, it might not feel quite so much like the whole first half of the movie is mostly set up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it sounds like we're pretty close together, even though we're on opposite sides of the aforementioned fence. Yeah. Uh, a but light smash close. and a heavy crash. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. And we'll discuss where this movie falls in our canonical ranking of the Evil Dead series. I said it wrong, didn't I? Did I say like light smash and heavy crash? I think I did. Uh, lights, heavy crash. Oh, you probably did, yeah. I just want everyone at home to know that I know that I fucked up, okay? So <laughs> don't write no- me about it. Noted. What is this? So now commence reading aloud. The book of the dead. Back. Let's 
rank these Evil Dead films. Mike, why don't you remind our lovely listeners what our previous ranking is? Sure thing. Um, I think our ranking was probably in keeping with what the general public would would vote. Uh, we had in last place Evil Dead 2013, and third place Army of Darkness, second place the original Evil Dead, and then first place was Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn. Uh, Eric, your individual ranking was slightly different. Um, do you care to revise it at all, even though uh, it you know it does match with our canonical ranking? Yeah, I said I, I believe I said. I just heard it. I did Uh, (laughs) that evil dead one was my one, which I then said to Mike on this, this very call. That's a crazy opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. It is good. And you were really feeling it when we watched it. Yeah. But I think you were just the one I saw first. Yeah. So I got the impression that maybe you were just a little burned out on evil dead Two. But I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But I would like to change my official. Okay. Evil Dead 2 is is, mine, is the number one. Okay, great. It, of all, it's the one that would be like, yo, you got to see that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, let's just get into it. Okay. Evil Dead Rise, it's a pretty easy number five on the list for me. I, I, I don't know if you agree or disagree. Why don't you let me know? Um, I think that, I mean, this is a tough one because this is like the ultimate kind of like, I think I need to revisit this. Um, yeah. Well, because for one, I should probably watch this movie again. Um, mm-hmm. and I should probably wait a little while to do it. Um, but I will say that like in my, in my heart of hearts right now, <sighs> Is it a tie, maybe? Remember that we really liked... I know. The, I like Evil yeah. Dead 2013. I think it's a good movie. I also think this is a good movie. It is a good movie. I just gave this a a light crash. Uh, I gave it a heavy smash. Yeah, I know. So for you, it's more straightforward. For me, yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure I gave a similar rating to Evil Dead 2013. Yeah. Um. So here's what I'm going to do, because then I don't have to make this decision myself. Uh, I am going to say that it's a tie for me in fourth place. Okay. Um, between 2013 and, and Evil Dead Rise. Um, but since we have to come up with a canonical rating and you you were more decisive, then I think we would just default to to your, your mm-hmm. appraisal. And so we will put it last... But it's it's not it's a let me say something after this. So so do you agree to that? Is that is yeah, that right? I agree with that. Okay. Uh, say your piece. So my piece is we've as of last week we've announced that we are no longer rating series. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I, I'm not gonna assign. I'm not gonna give a letter grade here. But I will say that I think there were discussions about whether or not Evil Dead was the best trilogy or not trilogy franchise like in mm. terms of assigning a letter grade to um a whole franchise and what i will say is that you know 
with the addition of Evil Dead Rise, I think that conversation is still very much alive. I don't, mm -hmm. I do not really feel like this movie in any way uh, negatively affected the quality and the sort of um, what the legacy of, yeah. of the Evil Dead franchise. I agree. I want to go on record and say Evil Dead franchise not a stinker in the bunch yeah they're all good movies yeah and me saying it's number five it's not by much it's just and, and again you know i'd like to revisit it at some point so yeah we can leave it open for we'll wait till evil dead six comes out then we can revisit so this. here's what happened eric i, I it, while you were speaking even though i was listening i did pull up the series grades we stopped writing them down after gremlins now, I will say Gremlins has the highest rating, but I remember it's specifically we said it's a it's an asterisk. It's like it doesn't it does not have enough films to qualify. Yeah. Uh, a two movie series cannot be considered in this now defunct <laughs> grading system. <laughs> uh, but uh, Evil Dead was tied for the best series rating with. Do you want to guess? Um, it's a three movie trilogy. Three movie trilogy. It's not Ginger Snaps. Let me know if you want another hint. Yeah, give me a hint. Uh, a surprisingly, one of the three movies, surprisingly low rated for best overall grade. So the other two movies are doing a We're lot really of heavy good. lifting. Yeah. Oh, no. Fright Night has four. That's a three. Jeez. Um, not Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> uh, not Ginger Dead Man. The hold on. No, uh, Reanimator. No. Oh no, Reanimator was pulled all the way down to a B by the mm. second and third. So this is a movie with two all timers out of three. Uh, I'm sorry, a franchise. That's correct. The Exorcist. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. We we gave A pluses to both the first and third movies in that series. Yeah, which was A. What did we give the Heretic? B minus. It's an interesting movie. It's too weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it's like yeah, it's probably a C plus in terms of quality, but it's just too fucking weird and interesting to yeah. get a C. You know. Um, okay, so there you go. There you have it. Reanimator still uh, tied in my mind for best franchise Evil front Dead. to back. Evil Deaths. <laughs> what did I say? Reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> we said the titles are too many franchises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Evil Dead. Okay. Evil Dead. Um, I'm sure you listened to the to it at the break, but hey, in the first break, I had the details of. The giveaway we're doing with High Dive Publishing and Peter Harmon. Mm -hmm. So please enter that. Yeah. Give it a try, guys. Couldn't be simpler. Next week, we're going to be going back to Critters, back to Grover's Bend. Yeah. Um, and I teased it to Mike. Critters 3, I didn't realize, has a person in it, <laughs> an actor, but I'm saying that gender sure, neutrally. Sure. Uh-huh who has been nominated at least seven times for an Academy Award and has won 
one of those nominations this won is, once. This is still unspoiled for me, and I'm doing yep. everything I can to keep it that way. I may yeah, even if, close my eyes during the opening credits. I would say close your eyes during the uh, the selection in the opening credits. Okay. Um, because I was kind of shocked. I didn't remember this at all. This person isn't first build, are they? Um, I don't know. Okay. I haven't seen I'm the just, opening credits. I'm just, yeah, I'm just wondering how soon into the credits I have to close oh, my eyes. Because it's like, oh, yeah, what if the credits are over story? Well. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. I'll give, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll watch it sooner than later and I'll, I'll give you <laughs> yeah. the heads up. Yeah, let me know uh, how to proceed. <laughs> All right. So that's Critters 3. I don't know if I said that. Yeah. Um, is it on Tubi? I see. It is. Okay. It is. They're all on Tubi. And as always, mommies were the maggots now. Mommies were the maggots now.